I would do it. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, in the former, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Thank you. All right, boys and girls, time to head out. For the rest of us, it's time to greet one another. Uh, a one-minute mingle, I believe, is the terminology. Uh, so uh, get up and, and greet and say a blessing. To Wonderful. Well, time to grab a seat, everyone. That was the uh, three-minute mingle, three to four-minute mingle, but it was beautiful. It was full of life, which is good. Uh, and we come today uh, continuing uh, the book of Hebrews and the series we're going through. And uh, as I've already mentioned, I love the book of Hebrews because it lifts up faith. It lifts up Jesus. It lifts up what really matters. And I just wanted to say thank you to Noah for doing a fantastic job sharing last week with that wonderful message uh, for us to anchor our uh, hope in, in the Lord Jesus and in nothing else. It's great to see uh, Noah doing so well in our midst. And uh, today, uh, if we come to our title, um, it's Jesus, our great high priest, uh, which we've already had that somewhat complicated Bible reading in uh, Hebrews chapter 7. And Jesus has already been called in chapter 4, our great high priest. So what we're coming to now, it's sort of like, well, what does that actually mean? What does it mean that Jesus is a great high priest uh, for Christians? But I think there's a question before we even get to that, and that's talking about human priests. Um, do we need a priest today? Here's someone dressed up in, in some uh, traditional priestly garments I think from the Greek Orthodox tradition. And you might say, well, do we need a, a priest, a human priest? What do you think? Do you think we need a human priest today? Yes. Todd, yes? You think we do? In what way do you think that we, we need... Yes. Yep. Okay. So there's yep. There's a, so there's some sort of 
contact point between them and God. Yep. Okay. Yep. Does anyone else want to share on that? Whether whether you agree or disagree, David? He's got down the front here. No, there's pointing going on. Oh well, that's the thing. Should should it be Priest Noah and Priest David? Is that what our title should be? Well, I guess it depends on on how we understand a priest. Uh, uh, do you believe that, that we and we alone can give you access to God? Sure. Yeah, okay, that's right. I think we're going to get there as we go through uh, what's going on today. Should I give you all a priest title when I talk to you at morning tea? <laughs> You'd like that. What about, are you happy to, to do a sacrifice for me? If I bring an animal in, will you sacrifice it for me? <laughs> but this, this one role of the priest was to teach people. And, and we can all, that was to, to teach the way of God. And that's something that, of God, I should say. And that's obviously something that uh, continues uh, because as we sort of got at, there's these priests involved in the life of Israel and they were very significant. To be a priest, you had to be from a particular family. Does anyone know what the, the, the clan was? The Levites, a descendant of Levi. There was only uh, one way you could be a, a priest and it was by birth. Uh, so there was lots of people that had no access there in the, under the law of Moses to become a priest. Um, in, the, in the Israelite system, they, under the law of Moses, had to offer, or they, their, their role was to offer sacrifices for their sins and for the sins of the people regularly. Um, they had to teach the law of Moses and the importance of it. They also were there to approach God on behalf of the people, that they themselves uh, would, would, would take the requests of people to, to God's. And you might say, well, that's the, um, the Jewish uh, or the Israel backgrounds. But what about the other nations? Did they have priests? And when you think about it, so many countries, so many nations have got this whole different variety of different types of priests. Um, you think about the Egyptian way, the Greek way, the Roman way, um, many different Asian countries. Um, there's so many uh, parts of Europe. There's, there's all these different types of priests that, uh, that were out and about. Because all the people throughout time, well, I think the stats show that, that it's, even in our current age, there's only about 10% who are actually staunch atheists. There's been this belief throughout human history that there is a God, or gods out there, a greater power, and that there needs to be an access point. And people look to priests for help. They wanted to go to them to find that access to God's. And so when we get to the New Testament or throughout the Bible, we see references not only to the Israelite priests, but also to other priests, one of which is in Acts chapter 14. Um, this story you might be familiar with. Um, Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra, and Paul, through the power of Jesus, heals a lame man. And they thought all of a sudden he had to be a great God. 
So they call in a priest, a priest of Zeus, to come from the temple with bulls and reefs, and they're about to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas before they were stopped and said, no, don't do that. We're only human. It is, it is Jesus who has done this miracle. He is the one that has done it. But all of this is pointing to the fact that there has been priests throughout the ages. Priests are significant. And yet in our passage, we are drawn uh, to this very unusual character, as Sharon already mentioned before, one whose name is even hard to pronounce. Um, Melchizedek, I think is the closest I can come to. From Hebrews chapter 7, you might say, well, who is this character? There are all of about three verses in the book of Genesis about him. Genesis chapter 14, there are three verses. And as the picture shows there, Abram, um, before he's even known as Abraham, wins a, a, a mighty victory over Sodom and Gomorrah and the region and the kings that had gathered. And he comes back with all this plunder. And he comes and gives a tenth of that plunder to this other king who is a, a priest. Melchizedek or Melchizedek and he gives him this offering and then he receives Melchizedek actually blesses Abraham he blesses him and so something is going on so we say well who is this guy what what is it all about so first of all we're told something significant about this priest first of all as it says there he was a king and he had two titles as king He was a king of righteousness and a king of peace. Quite significant. Think through, who is this guy that would get such a title? A king of righteousness and a king of peace. And then as we think through that, we say, well, who else do we know which has similar titles? Who is righteous and who is the king of peace for all time? Of course, a a link straight away to, to Jesus. Uh, It's in his very title. And as we think through what's going on in this passage, it's making a clear appointment as to where Melchizedek actually sits into the whole system. There is the Levitical priest in Israel. There is Abraham, who was obviously above them because Father Abraham was the one who the blessing came from and through whom the whole priesthood was established, obviously through Moses. And above Abraham, there's this guy, this priest that God has raised up, Melchizedek, greater than, than the, the lots. He, he, stood, he stood beyond. And that's where this, this whole point of the reading is going on, because the idea of the offerings or the tithes. Who did Abraham give the offering to? So therefore, when you give an offering to someone, it means that there must be something of greatness that you're giving to and the same too well effectively the priests came under the blessing of Abraham therefore their offerings had to be up the chain as well to Abraham and effectively it means that their offerings went all the way up to this priest Melchizedek and you might say well where does the blessing go well the blessing goes from the top down the greater one gave the blessing up the top he blessed Abraham Abraham blessed all the people underneath him through the family line. And so we can see the order at who's at top. And so that's why we read verses like this, where it says, This man, Mel- Melchizedek, 
or Melchizedek, however, did not trace his descendants from Levi. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without, de- without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. So the point is clear. Who's at the top? Melchizedek. That's right. He's the one that is the priest that is beyond. He is greater. And one of the significant things that says, well, when you look up Genesis and you look up this guy, it doesn't talk about his parents. It doesn't talk about who his mother and father is. And it doesn't talk about his children. So all of a sudden we see that this guy is not within this long family history tree that we see in the Old Testament. We see God raising up someone to do his special duty that isn't bound by all the family relations and traditions. God is raising up someone that is, I guess, in a way timeless because he's not locked into all the, that family history stuff. He is of a forever blessing because it's of, of God's. And it's not bound by time like the other Levites were who had to be born into that. And what the whole point is getting at is that there is a new way, a better way. There is this old system that Abraham was the father of and then through that came the law of Moses. But the law, the priests, as we see, was weak and useless. It was broken because it made no one perfect. Absolutely no one became broken through the old system. It's not to say that there wasn't some good in it. The fact of the matter is that it was broken and it didn't achieve the making of people perfect. And so there was a new covenant that had to come into place. There had to be a perfect forever priest that came into the midst. And that is, of course, where Jesus steps in. Because as we look to Jesus, we see that Jesus is greater than the Levites and the priests. Just think for a moment about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Tell me, who walks by at the start of the parable when there is a, a, a sick man on the ground that the, the, the had been almost about to die? Priests. That's right. So Jesus already in that parable is pointing out that priests, just because they're priests, doesn't make them perfect. Even priests need to have a heart change in reference to, to God's to be made perfect. Abraham was not perfect and there was one greater than him that we've already seen in this passage. Melchizedek. But Melchizedek doesn't even remotely reach up to the standards of Jesus because Jesus is perfect and we're going to see that, that Jesus far outdoes everything that's talked about. For it says, for it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. There is a priest that God has raised up who is outside of the broken system. And so he is in the order of this guy that we've been talking about, this priest, Melchizedek. A priest that we see about who is forever. 
That interesting is a, is a quote from one of the Psalms that looked forward to this wonderful time when a perfect priest would be raised up that would last forever, who wouldn't be bound by the things of, of, of lineage and, and, and family history. But instead, this priest would rise up that would give hope, that would draw people near to God from the Word of God, from the oath of God. Someone who would be the type like Melchizedek, but obviously greater. And we see why in verse 24 and 25, and we see it is because Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is not dead. He lives. He is alive. His resurrection has brought life. He is alive and that is permanent. And so Jesus has a permanent priesthood that will continue for all time. In verse 16, it says that it was, Jesus was indestructible. I was talking to Noah about this yesterday. Imagine singing that, Jesus, you are indestructible in one of our worship songs. Because death could not have its hold on him. He lives forever. And as that forever priest, he is now in heaven for all times. Jesus, our great priest, is in heaven. And we see the significance about that for us as it continues. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Isn't that significant? Think about it for our lives. We have a priest who lives forever in heaven who intercedes for us every single day, all the time. Jesus is there representing us, taking us to God the Father so that we can have that peace with God so that we can have a righteous life. It's so that we can have all the blessings of God. That's what Jesus does for us. And so we can see why this matters greatly. It's not some old broken system that didn't bring anything of perfection. But now in Jesus, we see this priest who is there all the time and who brings us perfection. And we know why. Because of the cross. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus offered himself on that cross, that sacrifice, and that is the ultimate sacrifice once for all time so that our sins are forgiven. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath, that of course is God's oath, which came after the law, appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Based on God's oath, God's promises, we see the Son, Jesus Christ, who is perfect forever, perfect in heaven for us who believe, forever representing us to God the Father. That's why we get excited uh, when we read in the, um, just after Jesus died, the curtain. What happened to the curtain? Torn down the middle. So that every single person now who believes has access to the throne room of God. Direct access. We don't need to go through a human priest to get access to God. That element of the priesthood has been completely taken away. Every single one of us can go straight to God in heaven. Can go straight to, to our wonderful Father. We have that wonderful access 
And it's all through the gift of Jesus Christ. And that access, or that access is not limited in any way. It is perfect forever, for all time. It will never be taken away from us. And that is a good thing. So the whole point is that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. Greater than any other priest that's been before. That is clear. And he will continue to be the greatest priest for all time. Because he lives. Jesus lives. He is alive for all time. And when we think about that, that is good news. That is very good news. It is something for us to praise Jesus for. That he is in that role as our great high priest. That is so good. We should honour him and sing praises and glorify him because that is something that every person from all time has been desiring in a priest, but they couldn't find it. Only those who have found it in Jesus have truly found it. It's also a call for us to trust in the greatness of Jesus. For us to say, Jesus, you are trustworthy because you are my priest forever, doing the most significant role you could ever do in not only forgiving me, but also giving me that assurance for all time. This passage is a reminder for us to dig into the depths of the greatness of Jesus. We shouldn't be complacent and saying, well, I know enough about Jesus. This is a reminder for us to always keep searching, investigating, digging into Jesus more because there's always more greatness to be found in the person of Jesus, in the, in the, in the God of Jesus. Jesus is incredible. And as we already saw in chapter 4, this means that we should have confidence to pray. Confidence that we can go to the throne room of God boldly to pray. Knowing that our high priest is there. And this passage not only is a reminder for us as individuals, but a reminder, as we've already got to at the start, that there is a priesthood now of all believers. But our priesthood is very different to the Israelites, priests, because we don't offer sacrifices. We don't give ourselves access to God for, on behalf of other people. No, we are, I guess, a small p priest in that we point people to Jesus, the great high priest. That's what we're about. We're about saying there is this great high priest that is for you. Turn to him. Look to him. Look to Jesus and he will meet every single need you have. He will provide hope for your lives. It's about us recognizing that greatness and telling others about it. Telling them, look to Jesus. Find this great high priest for your life. And what I love about Jesus, the great high priest, he wasn't stuck into a, a genealogy that meant that it was only for some people. Jesus is a priest for every single person. And the fact that he's not bound by a particular, a particular set of, 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 of geography or a particular time frame, we see that Jesus is for every person in every age, in every country, of every nationality, of every background, no matter how far we've sinned or, or how far we've gone away from God or anything at all. It doesn't matter. Jesus is for every person every single one of us and he wants to give us peace with God he is he is eternal he lives forever 
and he is for us. So these are all good things. Jesus is our great high priest, and so us as believers, all of us, it's about living under our great high priest and trying to take others to that great high priest that they may find life. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we thank you so much for all that we have in Jesus. We thank you that we have a great high priest who lives forever, one who is forever interceding for us. We give you thanks for that and help us, Lord, to to find rest in that, to trust in your promises. Lord, what a a privilege it is to know that, that we have access to you, our Father, to pray every day. And that that access is not through a human priest. We give you thanks for that and we give you the praise. Help us to have hearts that seek you and and to give thanks to you. We just give you the glory now in Jesus' name. Amen.